Welcome to Only Try to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. I brought Marie back because we had a grand old time. And I know you introduced yourself last time, but why don't you just say hello? Tell us how you're doing, Marie. Hi, I'm doing great. Um, I mean, I guess I should say a little bit about myself. Uh, so I'm Marie. Uh, Kate and I go way back, um, way, way back. It's kind of. Let's not say. Let's Let's not say. (laughs) Way back. Um, And I'm happy to be here with you again, just hanging out, uh, two friends talking about life. And I, for those that don't know, I'm a therapist and I have my own business. Um, But before that, I was a mom and a school counselor and, you know, I'm doing a little bit of all the things. Uh, so I like to help people because I'm a helper, um, and and here we are, doing our thing. <laughs> well said. You know, I I asked you to come back on the show because we had so much fun, and so when I approached you about coming back on the show, we were bouncing around a bunch of ideas, but we landed on one. And I'm thinking if we stick to our plan, we might have a conversation about the times when maybe you're not in a good place to help people. And and I think this is really tough for folks because like you just described yourself as a helper, our whole audience describes themselves as helpers. And so there are going to be times when you can't or you're just not in the right headspace or you don't have the energy. And I don't think enough of us know how to recognize that. What do you think about that? Accurate. I mean, you're literally talking about what leads to burnout, right? Is people not knowing how, like what their internal and external limits are on what they can do as helpers and what they can't do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too many of us, if we, if we ever figure this out, it's usually too late. (laughs) I agree. I mean, we, hindsight is 2020, right? So you, you go, Oh, gee whiz, I'm, crashing and burning right now and and then you can look back and you can start to see the signs right but so we're trying to say hey uh fellow helpers let's see if we can catch the signs before we crash and burn yeah and you make a good point about how us trying to help when we weren't really in the right space to be helpful may hurt us like we could feel burnout, we could crash and burn. But I think it hurts other people too, because we're not very good helpers in those moments. I think it brings out, in fact, kind of the worst side of us, uh, where we, we come on strong, or we get bossy, or we become control freaks. And we start advising people and telling them things that we think they need to do. And what happens is none of that is actually helpful. People get upset with us. And then later we realize I probably just wasn't really in a good place to help. No. And it's so funny. And I think we're going to touch on some of it as we talk, as the conversation evolves naturally about how 
when, when we are internally stressed, we do things consciously, but usually unconsciously that conflict with being helpful. Totally. You know, and it's like, the urge is to lean into things. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling like micromanaging vibes from like former employers where they feel like they're helping, but it's the opposite, right? So we lean into things that are, that make us even more unhelpful instead of leaning into the things that we know are actually helpful. It's really a mind fuck, honestly. A, a, a complete unmanageable maze that we're wandering through. Yeah. And I want everyone to think about those times where you've tried so hard to help someone and you feel like it's going nowhere, or maybe it's even blown up into an argument now and you want to scream like, but I was trying to help you. I, I think there's a chance that like the root of all that may be, you were never really in the right space to be helping. Yeah. I think I have this conversation often with clients of mine and not even that just family and friends, even, you know, where we talk about when they're feeling stress or anxiety to, you know, when, when we talk about how, they're at the end of their rope. Their fuse is really short. I often ask people, is that really the best time, do you think, to volunteer to help somebody with something or like sign up for a new blah, 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 whatever it is. And in hindsight, again, they can go, oh, probably not. I was already stretched too thin or something. So, so that brings us to why we're here. Like, how do you not do that? Or maybe not do it as much or to the degree? Well, one thing I never like to promise is that I know the answer to our dilemmas. <laughs> so um, I may, I may not know the answer to that, but I, I guess I want to make an observation first, and then maybe we can try and think of some answers to that question. But the observation I want to make, and I, I want to see if you've noticed this as well, Marie, do you feel like it's become in vogue or popular these days to claim to be good at this? And by this, I mean, like, setting boundaries. Like, I hear it all the time. Everywhere I go, people tell me that they used to be people pleasers or they used to have no boundaries, but now they know better and now they know how to say no. And I always want to be like, you don't know how to do this. You just know that you're supposed to know how to do this. <laughs> um, I do know about this. Um and I do see this and I'm probably a person that used to think I was good at it. Yeah. And, and realized, oh, gee, um, this is actually an area where I could use some, some self-reflection, if you will. But there is a, there is a, like you said, in vogue, 
right? Like there, yeah. you, you see it on social media and everything where people are like, you got to put your boundaries in place. And, to, and I'm not going to lie. Like if any of my clients are listening, they're going to be like, bitch, you say that all the time. I don't be like accurate, accurate. I want to help you understand this part of yourself. Um, and it's not easy and it's messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's become a cool thing to say. It's, and, and actually, that's progress in this society, um, that it is cool out there these days to say, I have boundaries, or I've learned how to say no, or I know my limits, or I'm no longer a people pleaser. Yet almost no one I know in real life is actually good at these things, including myself. <laughs> Kate, like, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because I don't think I've ever thought of it in in that way like the dialectic of i can be good at holding boundaries and i can also be terrible at it well i think what i'm trying to highlight is there's a difference between knowing about boundaries and being skillful at asserting them accurate right like Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I'm like, my brain has just been overwhelmed with validating imagery. Uh, like, and, and it's just like, yes, you can learn so much, but practical application, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I Again, I want to call this progress because when when I was a little kid, I never heard about any of this stuff. Um, so I think it's progress that we are like intellectually understanding our limits to help and our boundaries and being assertive, but like our behavior hasn't caught up with it yet. And I know that because like, you're my friend and you're a therapist. Most of my friends are therapists. And so when I have poor boundaries, my therapist friends are quick to point it out to me and yet they can't really do this for themselves. (laughs) Oh, God, don't get me into the we got to take our own advice, right? Like that is a whole thing. Oh, my gosh, that is a whole I often will bring that up to my clients. Like if I'm saying something to them, I'm like, well, I guess I got to do it now, too. Yeah. To lead by example, model to do all those things. Yeah. Recently, a friend of mine was... I don't, I don't think she believed she was giving me a lecture, but it kind of felt like a lecture and she was, you know, lecturing me about boundaries and it was like, you know, you really need to learn to say no and you really need to set some limits. And I, I am proud of myself because she has friends. So I felt like I could push back a little and I confidently said to her, right, right. That is a cool thing to say. And I just like, <laughs> let that hang there and i i watched her try to make sense of like what's your point kate and i i just i just think it's become a cool thing to say it's like for in the 90s you know it was cool to like say you go to yoga but how many people really took yoga <laughs> i think it's become cool to say oh i used to be bad at that i'm so good at it now without a lot of evidence that you're actually good at it Show me the evidence. Um, but yeah, show, show me the evidence. Like where, where is the, the action? Mm-hmm. Right. What has shifted in your life? What is really different other than just that you're talking about these things more? Um, 
in mindset, yeah. you know, a shift in mindset is the start, right? So I think we're both acknowledging like, hey, we're not shitting on this idea of the need for boundary setting. We, we are welcoming with open arms the shift in an individual, but also like more society wide mindset of boundaries are important things. Boundaries are not um, mean or something that you know you should feel like defensive about right like we're on board and now now let's talk about how are we showing up and holding the boundary for real what does it look like in real life to, to put to say no oh my gosh i'm having a story i'm having a story come back about a time do you want to hear it do it um as I've gotten older, I, I have come to understand that I don't know a lot about anything. <laughs> I know a lot about, but then I also know nothing, you know, um, where I used to think I knew a lot. I was like a little bit of a know-it-all. I can say that about myself. Um, anyway, the story. So I have learned in my life that there have been several pivotal moments core memories, if you will, that have to do with drawing the line and saying, no, I am going to do the thing that serves me the most and the bestest. Mm -hmm. And that was not necessarily well received by the people on the other end, Mm -hmm. but oh fucking well, right? Because I knew that if I didn't hold the line, nobody else was going to hold it for me. And two of those, actually, they both have to do with Harvey, which is funny because, you know, um, that's kind of what we talked about last time, right? But um, the one that is most recent, which I think would be most applicable to the uh, a broader audience, was saying no at work. Mm-hmm. And it was after Harvey died. Um, so for the listeners that don't know, my son Harvey died when he was four years old. Um, this was eight years ago. Now we just had his eighth angel angel versary. And I learned a lot through that experience as one can imagine. Right. Um, and one thing that I learned was how to say no, because I wasn't in a good place, which is literally what we're talking about. And it had to do with work. Mm -hmm. And so after Harvey died, I quickly realized that I was in no way, shape or form to resume my job as a counselor in a school. I could not, not only because I was crying all the time, but because I did not give a fuck about the day-to-day problems that people were coming to me with. Go ahead. I remember you telling me about that. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but we did meet up a couple years ago and I remember you telling me, so maybe this is a core memory for me too, <laughs> but I remember you saying, I, I can't sit and listen to people complain about day-to-day problems right now. Like I'm just not there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at the at Union Station, right? Then I pick you up or something. What were we doing? We were just together. You were supporting yeah. me through a hard time, which <laughs> I really appreciate. And I have not forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it was, it was that time. And I quickly realized that I could not help others in the mindset of the, just the deep grief that I was in. I could, I, I just, I didn't have it in me, you know, and what, what made this more difficult and more challenging is that when I spoke up for what I needed, my supervisors, not in the building, but at a different level, said no. Like mm. I, like I am, I am taking leave because I cannot function. I cannot do this job in a meaningful way. I cannot hear stories about things that are very important to the people telling them, but also like I am not a vessel to receive at the moment um, or help. And so I'm telling you that I cannot be good at my job right now. So I need leave. I am taking leave. And I was taking FMLA. Um, and I told them I am going to be out for like several, I think it was like three months, I said. And I was like, and then when I come back, I am not coming back full time. Like I had to tell them what I needed, which was really hard to do. But I also knew that they couldn't say no because of I'm taking family medical leave for bereavement that I needed it. I needed to, to be able to say, I, I can't be helpful right now. I can't do my job right now. I am in no way, shape or form to function in a way that I can show up here every day. I can't. And you know what? Nobody. Okay. Maybe not nobody, but the people that I needed to say, yes, Marie, we hear you and we support you they were like, no, we think you should get right back into it. You know, like a like getting back on the horse was the metaphor that was used. Wow. So um, I had to lay down the law. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the question that you have is like, well, how did I even know that? How did I know that I was not in the space to be able to perform my job duties? Right. Like, is there... And, and I don't necessarily expect you to just answer this, but I think this is more like my wondering, like, I'm wondering, is there like a test we can run and be like, oh, according to my test results, like I'm not a helper today. Um, I, I and, and by the way, Marie, if you saw me looking away while you were speaking, I was I was writing down something you said, because it it, it hit me and that it was just like, so perfectly said. You said, I am not a vessel to receive right now, um, which I I love the imagery of that. I think our listeners who maybe need a visual can, can grab onto that, that there are times that you will care about people in this world who need to lean on someone and maybe you're not the one who can be leaned on. Maybe you're not a vessel that can receive right now. Other times, maybe you are, but there are going to be times when you're not. Your story was perfectly describing that. And I love just the wording of that, that I am not a vessel to receive right now. There were ways that I could tell that 
I was not ready to receive. Um, I was not, not even not ready. I was not able to receive any other emotions or tasks or questions. I just couldn't. So how, how did I know that? Well, I won't lie. Um, my training and experience helps me with that, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we, we've learned and, and therapist training, although the training could have been better <laughs> from, from, I'm being honest. Uh, we didn't learn everything we needed to learn, but what we did learn was how to notice some of these things. Um, but primarily it can't comes down to like my acts of daily living, right? Mm -hmm. Like <clears throat> in the depths of my grief, which is my story, but for another person, it might be um, the depths of their depression, or it might be the height of their anxiety, you know, whatever the issue is in for them you know, looking at, at your life, looking at your routines, looking at your relationships and going, what has changed in these areas? And is it for the better or for the worse for like how I'm feeling? So for me, it was like, um, in my acts of daily living, which is like, showering and eating and sleeping like all of that was disrupted because I was just spending a lot of time crying you know so if I can't not cry <laughs> right like if I'm feeling tearful and on the edge of tears um most of the day that's a sign that I am not ready to receive anything extra mm -hmm. Now that's kind of like a, a oh, oh, well, Marie, that's kind of obvious. No, is it? Is it? Yeah, I, I, I'm back and forth here because uh, a, a part of me is thinking, gosh, the listeners must be thinking like, well, surely it's obvious that if you've lost a child and you're grieving, you can't be in a good place to be helpful to others. Uh, and yet I don't, I don't know that we, when we identify so strongly as like, I'm a helper, it's hard to ever put that down. It's hard to ever take that hat off, let alone when you're going through something maybe smaller, like, okay, I, I'm not grieving the loss of a child, but I just didn't get a good night's sleep last night, or I'm hangry right now. I just haven't eaten, or I'm pissed off about something that happened hours ago, and it's just on my mind. I think we could easily miss it when a big thing has happened, like a loss of a family member, and we could definitely miss it when a small thing has happened. That means you're just not in a good place. Like literally, <laughs> my boss was saying, no, you should come back into the office and, and everything will be fine. And it'll just, that was a big thing. I was flabbergasted. So of course we're gonna miss it for the small stuff mm -hmm. well you know um or the reality of it is is that in our in our society you just pull yourself up pull yourself together mm -hmm. put paint put a mask on you know pretend it's fine compartmentalize mm -hmm. you know all of those things have pros but geez louise they have huge cons if you are hurting it just makes it worse yeah 
So like, I, I, you know, I think about clients and kiddos and, and, you know, like depression around the holidays, holidays are coming up. You know, this is a hard season for a lot of people, not just because it gets dark earlier, which does affect you on a, on a biological basis. Okay. Mother nature says it's time to hibernate, but G, the lights are on and the demand is still high for us to keep going. Right. When we just want to sleep. Anywho, seasonal depression, holiday stress. These are the things that keep our, our vessels from being accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, if we're using the imagery of the vessel, if we're filled up with stress or if we're filled up because our basic needs aren't being met, that's kind of what I need, what I mean about acts of daily living too. like basic needs. Like you said, hangry. I use that as an example all the time. Do you think when you're hangry that that's the time that you want to help the old lady cross the street? Part of you can say, okay, get over it and just help the old lady. And then part of you is like, I don't have to be the one. Yeah, there's a whole world out there. <laughs> I can I can literally go another day. And I'm not yeah. a bad person for that. No, I, I want helpers out there to believe you're not the only helper, okay? Like you didn't invent help. Like, I, I think we need to stop acting like it must be me. I've got to be the one to swoop in and save the day. Come off your high horse. You're a good person, but there are millions of others. And the millions of other good people will step in and help from time to time. You don't have to do them all. All of the acts of kindness are not on your shoulders alone. You mean that I don't have to pick up every piece of trash that I see on my walk? <laughs> because, gee, if I pass one, I feel guilty immediately. Like, sometimes I'm like, I got to go get that piece of trash. You know, is it <laughs> is it is it my helping or is it anxiety or OCD? I don't know. But um, it certainly is something that comes up. Believe no. in us. Believe in us, Marie. Believe that you have other neighbors who care and that you're not the only one who cares. It's, it's just amazing. And like, we get to this place where we, even when we're overwhelmed as helpers, we still feel like we have to keep going because mm -hmm. if I don't do it, nobody else will. Yeah. And that is just, um, you know, th that we have, it's an intrusive distorted thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes sometimes it feels real you know because i'll see the same piece of trash and i'll be like shit see nobody nobody picked it up dang it I, I know as we're doing this i'm like god damn it you're gonna send me a picture of a piece of trash that's been on the ground for three weeks and you're gonna say see kate if i don't do it no one will <laughs> i hate being validated in that way but it happens all the time yeah i mean all right. Well, I'll brace myself for that message coming from you, and and we'll we'll just take that. We'll cross that bridge when it when we come to I guarantee it. Guarantee that it's on my to do list now to <laughs> find something and see. Okay, let's see how long it sits here in public. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we digress. A lot of this reminds me. You know, my husband's pretty open about. He goes to therapy. He has his own mental health, emotional struggles from time to time. 
And a while back, he was just going through a bad time. And when people are struggling, they're not always super kind to others. So he and I were finding ourselves in like silly arguments. And we look back now and we think like he was just in a bad place. And like, it was just kind of springing up in our relationship. And there was one time where he was like particularly struggling that day. And we ended up in an argument and he said some things that hurt my feelings. And I remember that day feeling like a light switch was flicking on and on. Like, like if I flip the switch up, I was just mad at him for saying hurtful things that really hurt my feelings and didn't feel nice to hear. And if I flip the switch down, I, my heart went out to him and I felt bad for him because clearly he was struggling and he needs a hug right now and he needs support right now and someone needs to care for him. And I noticed this feeling of like the light is switching on and off, on and off. And it was like, I couldn't feel these things at the same time. I felt like I was flipping. Like I went, I went from mad over to compassionate back to mad over to compassionate. And I kept thinking he deserves love and care and help, but I'm not the person to do it right now because I'm mad. He hurt my feelings. I'm upset and I have every right to go call my girlfriend and be upset about something that really hurt to hear. And I remember saying to him, I want someone to help you. It cannot be me right now. You have other people in your life who love you, who can be the one to listen to you and hug you and get you through this. But because my feelings are hurt, I'm not the candidate for this job right now. And it was hard to do because, you know, he's the person I love more than anyone else in the whole world and he's struggling. And it kind of feels like it's my job to be that person to help him. Not that day. It wasn't. Not that day. No, and it's exactly what you're talking about with that was you knowing that you are not going to be helpful. If you engage further with this person that you care so much about, that you hold opposing beliefs, right? That's a dialectic, two opposite things being true at the same time. I love him unconditionally, and right now he's being an asshole. Yep. And he, he deserves to have compassion and I want to throat punch him, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And and so when you're in between that, like if you, that's, that's a really good point. And another good visual for people when they're trying to think about how to proceed, right. Is if, if they feel themselves teeter tottering between these two opposite extremes, right. You know, that's a sign to defer that to somebody else. That's why I wanted to tell that story because my clue was I can't seem to hold these things at the same time. I felt like one had to turn off for the other one to turn on. And I was like, if I can't hold them at the same time, then I need to cut myself a break and just hold one of these feelings and let somebody else do the others. (laughs) And so that was a signal to me that like, this isn't working. This like, I can't keep flicking the switch on and off. I'm exhausted. I think right now I just need to be mad. I won't be mad forever. I'm just going to be mad for a little bit 
but that doesn't mean you deserve to feel my wrath right now. I want you to go talk to someone who's going to lift you up and make you feel good. But I'm going to go do the same thing. So let's go find our people. <laughs> and that was so hard. To, that's a hard place to be able to to land, right? Because as a helper, you you have that urge that we've talked about to just push through the discomfort for yourself to be there for them. When do you, really do you think you would have been helpful? Oh God, no. No. So it goes back to checking in with yourself, right? Checking in with like, what's happening in myself? What's happening internally? Am I holding? Am I able to hold these thoughts together? Uh, you know, the opposing thoughts at the same time, if I'm not, which one am I going to lean into right now? And in the same thing, like, if we use the vessel image to boost even this further is like, because he had been struggling and you're your own person and you're doing your own thing you're you didn't have a lot of room in your vessel right you you were already like filled up so when this argument happened there was no room left for you to be able to have space to hold both of these beliefs at the same time yeah right mm -hmm. so what you did is kind of what i would say you know like i think that was a great idea you know and knowing those things about yourself and in your relationship takes time and communication and all hard things that a lot of people don't want to do mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so uh and because they take practice and they're not instantly gratifying right it's yeah like in that how did it mm -hmm. end how did it like how did, how did that story conclude um i think once i had my space to go just like settle into mad for a little while i was probably over it in like 35 minutes you know like but but i wouldn't have been i would have hung on to that anger if i didn't get the chance to just finish being angry um if i was trying to push it away to help him i i would have held on to that anger for the rest of my life and so instead i just said i'm gonna go get some space I'm going to be a little mad at you for a while. And in, in no time, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm over it. I'm fine. I've moved on. But like, that was only possible because I did like the deep dive on anger and just let myself sit in it and got it all over with. Um, and so, you know, then I was able to come back and be a partner for him. And, and I think the real, I think the real takeaway from that story is, is is similar to your picking up trash story, right? It's like, it's trusting that there are other helpers out there. That uh, just because he's my husband and I'm his wife doesn't mean I'm the one who's supposed to always lift him up. He has friends. He has family. He like, I can let the other helpers come in and do their jobs. And just like, you know, maybe you don't have to pick up all the trash on the street. I don't have to lift my husband up every single time he's down. Sometimes I'm down too. So I'm going to call in the troops and let another helper be the helper today. And I, I think maybe that's a nice place for us to wrap up this episode, which is like, just because you're not in a good place to help doesn't mean this person is just left hanging to suffer. Trust that there are other people who can come in and do the helping that you would have done. Um, and maybe that's where people need to explore. Like, 
can we trust that someone else can step in and do the job that I was going to do? Yeah. And I feel, I feel as if some listeners may say, well, there's not, it's only me, you know, and, and I would like to challenge that and say, you know, that your, your network might be small, but is it only you? And if it genuinely truly is, then reach out for support. And, you know, whether it's contacting you, Kate, or, you know, me even to like hook people up with finding their tribe, their community, you know, this is when you, you, you need those things. Right. Um, and if you're like, I don't have that. Well, we'll help. <laughs> we'll yeah. help you find it if we can. Right. Yeah. If you are feeling like you don't have that, then maybe that's step one is let's see, let's see if you can build that so that when the time comes, that structure is there for you. It's out there. It's out there. Um, thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I can literally could talk about all anything with you for hours and it would just feel like it was five minutes. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've had some fun. I think we need to do like a three-dimensional face-to-face chat one of these days, but we'll make it happen. 